Coming up on today's full moon episode of the Dreamer's Den podcast. A dream is like a seven layer dip. The first layer is the, the top layer is the literal. Then you can just keep going down to each layer for more gooey deliciousness. I could take my, the steps that I use in my dream journal and figure out a dream in maybe 10 minutes, or I could take a month on a dream, just looking at it from every different way. And when you work in a dream group of say eight to 10 people, you're going to get eight to 10 different perspectives on your dream. That's Laura Suzanne, who you may recognize as the host of the Facebook dream sharing group called Dream Enthusiasts. I know many folks who listen to this podcast also like to share dreams there. And one of the reasons that I invited Laura on the show was to talk about sharing dreams in writing because, as you know, I also like to do a lot of dream sharing in the online forum setting as well as in person or on Zoom, but in real time, face-to-face and voice-to-voice. And so I had fun talking to Laura about our experiences sharing dreams in writing versus in real time and in groups. I also really liked talking with Laura about personal symbology. I'm sure you've heard this come up in the way that I've discussed dreams on this podcast and other guests have talked about it, you know, asking about what the donut means to me or to the dreamer or to the other people in the dream group because a donut might have some universal meanings, but it also has very personal meanings for each of us. So Laura and I really get into that. You'll hear us really warm up as we talk about motorcycles and cats in particular. I actually had a cat dream, a dream about a little wounded white kitten the night after this conversation that so clearly to me was highlighting what I had said in this episode, Cats Mean to Me. I think you'll really like hearing some of what Laura suggests for questions to ask about a dream, like, am I the passive observer or an active participant in the dream? How do I feel on waking? Am I disappointed that this wasn't real or am I relieved it was just a dream? And also toward the end of our conversation, we get into dreams that might be kind of scary, that might seem like they're a warning about something that could be happening health-wise or some negative event coming up or potentially coming up in life and how to relate to those dreams, especially with the question, well, what would that mean if that were to be true so that we can remove a little bit from the literal level of what that scary event is and think about what it would mean. For example, well, it would mean I was a failure. Okay, well, now let's talk about that feeling of potentially being a failure. So there are lots of sweet spots in this conversation, and I hope you get some aha moments of your own. And also, I'd love to hear your reflections afterwards, your own experience working dreams in groups, one-on-one, in real time, and in writing. So be sure to take note of your own reflections here and share them with us afterwards on the show notes at thedreamersden.org slash 29. You're listening to the Dreamer's Den podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navar. I'm here along with guest dream workers, authors, and teachers to talk about diving deep into your dreams. We're skipping the small talk and going for conversations about what matters most to us, what's touching us so deeply that it shows up in our dreams. 
in one form or another. We talk about engaging with dreams to experience insight, inspiration, healing, and meaningful connection with one another. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can catch all these conversations. Visit thedreamersden.org slash open for a free video and mini book I put together to help you learn more about opening up or deepening your own relationship with your dreams. My guest today is Laura Suzanne. She is a dream worker who loves to provide do-it-yourself instructions for dreamers to help them become pros at decoding their own dreams. She's been a lifelong student of parapsychology and the metaphysical. She has a degree in psychology, a certification as a dream guide through the Dream Interpretation Institute, and she's a certified clinical hypnotherapist. She's also a Reiki master practitioner and teacher, which she was inspired to pursue after her own profound energetic healing experience in which she was cured of a longstanding medical condition. She's taught classes, hosted workshops, written articles, and she currently hosts the large and active dream sharing group on Facebook called Dream Enthusiasts. We have lots to talk about today, and I'm so glad you're joining me, Laura. Thank you for being here. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Can I ask you to start out how you realized that dreams mattered to you? Oh, I have always loved dreams. Ever since I was a small child, I was always fascinated by dreams, love to share dreams, love to hear other people's dreams. And then when I got older, probably teenage years, I started realizing that dreams were not just entertaining movies that played out in our minds at night. They could actually help us see the future and solve problems. Yeah. And did you have any help kind of making that realization? Did, what was your earliest experience with either reading about dreams or talking to a dream worker? Um, I'm not sure about the earliest experience. It just kind of evolved into that. I just, as I got to know my dreams better and realized that they weren't just for entertainment, they actually could help me. I began to trust them. And then I majored in psychology at San Diego State and there wasn't very much on dreams. And then after graduation, I took the courses through the Dream Interpretation Institute and kind of expanded my knowledge. Uh-huh. Awesome. I I love what you said in one of your one of your books you wrote that when we ignore our dreams, it's like deleting an email, leaving the status unread. And there's a, a precious gift in the body of the email. And it feels like that is a transition, you know, from that that idea that the dreams are just entertainment, that we could take them or leave them, to starting to see them as precious messages every time. Absolutely. A lot of people will just leave them on the pillow, so to speak, where I'm here to remind them that, no, the, the dream is not just for entertainment. There's actual practical uses. You can, your dream can show you health issues. Your dream can show you who you can trust in your life. And I even decided which, which kind of phone to buy uh -huh. for a dream. <laughs> yeah, I found that as well. Really what we might think of as more mundane, practical things like which phone to buy and then the deeper promptings about life path and, and uh, the health issues and things like that. So 
Uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording about this idea of personal symbology. And I think that is a key thing for us to open our minds to as we start going deeper into dreams, right? That dreaming, I don't even know some of the classic ones because I don't take them too seriously, but sometimes you'll hear, oh, if you dream of this, it means you're going to inherit money or, you know, direct interpretations like that, as opposed to really taking a symbol for its universal meanings. Yes, but also what it means for us personally. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Maybe any examples you have of symbols that can be looked at in that way. Absolutely, Lonnie. Um, dream interpretation is rarely one size fits all. There may be universal meanings. However, I have some examples in the intro to my books. And one for a good example would be a rose. Now, if you are a beauty pageant contestant or a gardener very different meanings the beauty mm -hmm. pageant contestant a rose could be a prize where if you're a gardener the rose would be work very different snakes if you are deathly afraid of snakes or if you have snakes for pets there are just so many examples of the individual. Um, a cow, for example, in some cultures, a cow is sacred. In other cultures, we eat cows or raise them mm -hmm. to eat. So it's all subjective, how you grew up, what religion you are, what part of the world you're from. Yeah. And something like a snake, you know, there's so many stories you can find about what that, what universal symbols those are. But even in the universal symbol, quote unquote universal, like let's say we're thinking about the story of Adam and Eve and the serpent, you know, there are a lot of people on the planet who know that story, but not everybody does, right? And then serpents show up in other mythology in other ways. Absolutely. So you can rely on what someone else wrote in a dream dictionary. It's, you know, I'm not against dream dictionaries. I do have a small glossary on my website just for possible meanings, yet I always invite people to dig deeper, go into your own personal symbology, because nobody has your unique history, your unique imprint. Nobody had your childhood, your family, your siblings, your life experiences. And those are a lot of what shapes us, our subconscious memories and psychic imprinting. Right. Right. And so whenever something, uh, let's go with the rose, you know, I'm thinking about this idea of a beauty pageant, someone who's con competed in a beauty pageant and whether they have won or never won, what that relationship would be to getting the rose. Yes. If they'd won, then, you know, they get the crown and they're handed the roses and then whatever the prize is. And yet if they were a runner up or wanting to win that, the rose could be kind of like the brass ring mm -hmm. they're striving for. Mm -hmm. uh, on The Bachelor, the women get a rose. And what do you think about, I mean, do you, a rose might be, no matter who we are and what our experiences have been, there's the smell of the rose, there's the association of the rose with the heart and how so many people feel it as kind of a heart opening fragrance, how it's beautiful, but it also has these thorns. Do you think that always is there in the, in the mix? Every rose has a thorn? Yeah, yeah. It could be. If you're a gardener, especially, you're dealing with a lot of that. However, uh, a lot of times 
a rose is a gift and if you're happy to receive it then maybe you wouldn't be looking for the thorns dreams have so many layers the literal the metaphorical you can work on one dream for so long to get the meaning and when someone does kind of get the meaning what do you what's your experience of that that kind of knowing that that the meaning has been arrived at or something significant is happening well there's a quote that I use often in dream enthusiasts. I don't know if you've noticed, and I have it in um, one of my books. A dream is like a seven layer dip. The first layer is the, the top layer is the literal. Then you can just keep going down to each layer for more gooey deliciousness. Uh-huh. I could take my the steps that I use in my dream journal and figure out a dream in maybe 10 minutes, or I could take a month. on a dream, just looking at it from every different way. And when you work in a dream group of say eight to 10 people, you're going to get eight to 10 different perspectives on your dream. Mm -hmm. And do you think that the dreamer, so, you know, in Jeremy Taylor's terminology, that aha moment Mm -hmm. is kind of a, a function of memory. He said, like on some level, we some part of us knows all seven of those layers that are in the dip. We, we intended to communicate all of those layers. And so when we have that aha moment, we're kind of remembering what we meant, but we didn't consciously remember. What do you think about that idea? I think that could absolutely be true. For example, if I have a dream about someone else, I will always reach out to that person. If I can reach out to that person and ask them, hey, I had a dream about you. Does this resonate? And if it does, great. If it doesn't, then I know, well, that wasn't necessarily about the other person. That's probably an aspect of myself. Mm -hmm. And have you had, I don't know if you want to share any of them, if they're personal for you or the other, but just in general, have you had that experience that the dreams you've had about others have resonated for them? Many times I have. Yeah. Is there anything maybe you want to, any idea you could give of what types of resonances your own dreams have had for another person? Well, I've reached out to the person and said, I had this dream. There's a message. It may be for you. If it Mm -hmm. is great, if it isn't, there was a woman I didn't know really well. And I had a dream that she was going to start a new business she was going to open a hotel and I reached out to her and I said I'm getting had a dream and I want to give you encouragement to go for it and she Mm -hmm. said that's so funny because I actually did accept a position at a hotel So it was kind of, she wasn't opening her own hotel, but she was going to be doing the marketing. And it was a bit risky reaching out to her. She was kind of in between two job offers and trying to figure out, did she want to work for someone else? Did she want to do her own thing? So this kind of resonated to give her the kind of validation that she was looking for. Yeah. That's so cool. I think it would be delightful to have someone I didn't know very well reach out and say, <laughs> I dreamed about this thing you're doing and I think it's going to go really well. Go, yes. You should go for it. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk a little bit about your, your process that you referenced that's in your dream journal, kind of the steps that you go through and the questions that you encourage people to ask? Oh, yes, I do a sample dream and then I break it down 
identify the characters, the action, um, and I have questions. What's the emotion in the dream? Has it changed since you woke up uh, to now a week later? Uh, are you the, this is very important. Are you the active participant or the passive observer? Mm -hmm. I feel that's very important to notice your role in the dream and you may feel differently upon waking. Oh, that was, I'm so relieved that that was just a dream or I'm disappointed that it wasn't real. Those are things to look at. Um, the other people just, um, I don't have the whole process right here in front of me, but, uh, just the steps to go through yeah. questions to ask yourself. And you can do that with any dream. Who are the people? What's the action? What's the feeling? Has it changed? What's your role? Um, anything you notice that particularly stands out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's unpack this idea of being the observer versus participating a little bit. I'm curious what you take from that. Oh, the active participant or the passive observer. Sometimes a dream is like a movie. You're just passively watching a movie play out on a screen. Other times you're actually kind of the star of it where you're walking, jumping, running, you're doing things, you're speaking, you're moving, you're directing it rather than just watching it. So it's kind of interesting to notice your role. Where mm -hmm. are you in the dream? Are you watching? Are you participating? Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking right now of dreams I've had involving swimming. I have lots and lots of water dreams. And this morning, just before I woke up, I was very clearly in the water. I remember the feeling of the water. My daughter's swimming next to me in this dream. And this water's getting a little cold. It's like a lap pool. And then uh, on the side, I see there's a jacuzzi and I'm thinking, I'm going to go warm up in there. So this one was really vividly showing me as a participant because I even had the sensation of the water. But I can think of another dream where it's that feeling of watching a movie and I'm kind of in the distance and watching my kids and some cousins playing in the water and, you know, not... I don't know if they even know that I'm there. You know, I might just be watching the action. So like a fly on the wall, kind of kind of a fly on the wall thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and that the story of the dream is all in the characters that I'm watching. Like the story isn't about me being a fly on the wall. It's, it's, they're playing it out, you know, but I'm uh, witnessing it. So yeah. What do you, what would you ask or wonder or take from that? Well, it's your role in the dream. In the one you're you're feeling, you can feel the water, you can feel where you where your body is in the dream. You can feel the movement. The other you're just kind of standing back and observing from a distance. So it, those are just different sensations, different feelings in dreams and your level of participation. And you can also look at like your role in life. You know, where are you more active? Where are you more passive? Are you a driver? Are you a passenger? Mm -hmm. what the action is and where you fit in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It would be an interesting thing, I think, to track to over, over some months or something, how often are the dreams showing me as an active participant and how often as an observer. Exactly. And there's no right or wrong. It's just observation. It's where, what role am I playing in the dream? Mm -hmm. You know, and how does it feel? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to shift to 
hearing about your experience working dreams in writing, because I know you see a lot of dreams in your Facebook group. And I think people have emailed you dreams as well. And it's so different from talking one-on-one or in a group, whether on Zoom or in person. And I also do a lot of dream work in writing and in our online forums. So it's something I'm really interested in, you know, what, what we can get out of doing the written, written process, which is sometimes there's a lot of separation between when someone posts a dream and when we engage it, as opposed to the sinking in that we do in real time. So tell me a little bit about your experience working dreams in, in the online forum style. It started out with the newspaper column. And then I wrote the books based on those and then the Facebook group. And you're so right, there is a delay between when we see it written and when we respond rather than in the real time. And we don't see the person's facial expression. We don't hear their tone of voice. Uh, We have to step back and read between the lines for the Mm -hmm. meanings. Sometimes when I'm reading a dream, I'm not looking at the symbols necessarily. I'm feeling the emotion. Sometimes what they didn't say carries Mm -hmm. more weight than what they said. And then do you like to try to ask about that or more kind of offer what you're noticing? And this goes back to the personal symbology. I sometimes I will say dreaming of a spider can mean this. However, how are you feeling about it? And I'll try to get them to delve into their personal symbology a little deeper Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, it really is all about what it means to the dreamer, not about what I think it means. And sometimes I'll get a set, an intuitive hit that the dream really isn't about this. I will feel just by the way that they word something or a particular sentence will jump out at me. And I'll say, I got the sensation of this or of that while reading your dream. Does this resonate? Mm-hmm. And sometimes if it's too deeply personal, they'll private message me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've noticed too with, it's not exactly what you're saying, but just kind of the words that are used that I can sometimes recognize patterns better in writing than I might have if I were listening to a long dream said out loud. can kind of scan back over it and say, oh, you used the word ground seven times in this dream, you know, and, and really sink into what those words might be carrying too. Absolutely. And sometimes really long dreams, it can, you do have to go back over them. You can get lost when they're, you know, some people will post a book, like yeah, seven paragraphs. And um, sometimes it's easier just to, to do the shorter dreams because you can really hone in on it where the longer ones do take quite a bit of time to and you do have to hit pause and go back and go scan for the emotion not just the content and symbology yeah and have you shared your own dreams in the forum and and gotten that type of feedback too oh absolutely I don't get to share as often as I would like though because I'm doing a lot of admin duties Mm -hmm. I'm the only admin in the group so I've got to make sure that everybody's you know posting appropriately and approve new members and the like but yes I do um sometimes make videos of and talk about my dreams. Sometimes I will share them 
not as often though. Have you ever had a really good aha moment come from sharing in the forum? Oh, absolutely. We have some really brilliant minds in that group. And uh, I think it was, yeah, Dr. Montague Ullman said, where else can you find eight to 10 people willing to bear their souls other than a dream group? So he was speaking more of kind of, you know, the ones you do, you know, privately, like mm -hmm. with a group, a small group of people, but even in dream enthusiasts, it's a private group. And one of the group rules is that no dream, nothing can be shared outside the group without written consent. So it is a, even though there's close to 700 members, it is still a small intimate group. Uh, yes, I've gotten several aha moments. I do find that I get a little bit more of that when I am working face-to-face -face or say in a Zoom group mm -hmm. than I do with the written word. Yeah. I do too. I think that's kind of why I was curious about your experience of the two, because I love the written sharing, almost like it keeps the current flowing. It keeps yes. us sharing dreams. It keeps us reading each other's. It keeps us kind of aware of the tracks that are going through. And I've also had a few times where someone will share how they, you know, their projection on my dream and I'm blown away. Like, wow, I would never have thought about that. And it really resonates, you know, that, that has definitely happened in writing, but it's not the same process that I feel like when I'm working in real time, you know, voice to voice with someone where I'm getting deeper and deeper and deeper as the time goes by into the dream with the writing. I don't know, maybe we're in the top two or three layers of the dip most of the time <laughs> when we're doing it in writing, but I love the way it keeps us sharing though. It does. And what's interesting is I noticed that there'll be a certain theme. Like I remember last August, everybody was dreaming about lions and tigers and big cats, it seemed like. And then huh. maybe one month, it seems like all the dreams are about storms or the elements. And it's kind of uh, like we sink. And you can go back and notice, well, the last time Joey posted, he posted about cars the last seven times, or, you know, you can kind of yeah. notice the patterns like you were saying. So that's kind of helpful to have that. You can scroll back and, and it's fun to post images. I know we've got some artists in the group that like to really illustrate their dreams with photos. And I, I always appreciate that. That's so cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you are totally free to jump on this or <laughs> take a turn, but you had mentioned a cat dream of your own that uh, relates to this looking at oh, personal yes. symbology. Yes. This is another dream, uh, example of personal symbology. The topic of cats comes up a lot in dream enthusiasts. I'm not sure if you've noticed and some of the other groups, California dreaming and whatnot, cats seem to be pretty common. Um, and it, usually people say, oh, it's, sexuality it's female you know uh and that could be true however um i had a recent dream of a cat and you know sexuality be possibly being catty as meanings i have four cats and i am the best cat mama this side of the mississippi oh so, <laughs> i mean i have a, an animal page i am all about cats they well, I love all animals, but cats, they're my family. They're my loved ones. They're my everything. So if one was to be sick or missing in a dream, I would just be absolutely devastated. And mm. my first word I ever spoke when I was a child was cat. So wow. my, my personal symbology here doesn't 
fully align with the common meetings because cats to me are, you know, they're just such a big part of my identity. Yeah. So that's where we, you know, get into the personal symbology. I mean, I'm not saying the other meanings could not have some merit. It's just that for myself personally with cats, they are my family. So um, yeah. I have another example. Okay. Um, motorcycles. Mm-hmm. I was not allowed to ride motorcycles growing up. My mother was very adamant about that. She was an emergency room nurse. And so she would bring home photos and tell us horror stories about accidents. And, you know, you like your pretty face. Well, it's not going to be so pretty when it gets scratched up in a motorcycle accident. I mean, she scared the bejesus out of us with motorcycles. Yeah. My sister was grounded for six months for coming home on the back of one. So, and I do actually know several people who have either died or been seriously injured in them. Mm-hmm. I had a dream recently where I was confidently riding one without a helmet. I was zigging, I was zagging. I was like, I've been on the back of one a couple of times, but I've never ridden one, you know, partly mm-hmm. out of respect for my mom, but partly out of just a little bit of, you know, self-preservation. Yeah. Um, but I was just, I was doing it. And So no dream dictionary knows that motorcycles were forbidden, you know, and that my mother was constantly trying to instill the fear with me. Right. So that's my personal experience and how it would be different for me for seeing the, you know, definition of a motorcycle. It's really fun to hear that. I just recently had a dream that Aragorn from Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. had picked up this little white dirt bike And he and, you know, the whole fellowship of the ring were stopped at some kind of market and Gandalf comes and he sees the dirt bike and kind of throws up his hands and rolls his eyes. Like, are you kidding me? Like, why did you pick this thing up? Like we're, we're on our way to Mordor. Now we got to take this dirt bike with us, you know? And, um, I actually, I worked this dream pretty deeply and it's fun to hear you talk about the motorcycles just after working that dream, because I also associate them with danger. You know, there, I was thinking about, you know, Aragorn picking up this dangerous thing, but then I had to contrast it with the journey to Mordor. And I'm thinking, okay, who am I going to worry about more? The guy on the motorcycle or this party of people headed towards almost certain death and major suffering and the, the fate of the world is at stake, you know, and the dream ended up being for me a little bit about that question of, you know, what do I really worry about? What dangers um, on the scale of dangers? And if if I'm, if I'm someone who could handle a journey to Mordor, do I really have to be worried about the motorcycle? And of course, Aragorn could die on a motorcycle. It's not like you're immune to that just by being the, the uh, returning King, but yeah, it's, it's uh, synchronicity to hear you talk about how much you associated motorcycles with danger too. And it almost feels to me like the dream you're sharing, if that were my dream, it's got a similar flavor of, oh, I can handle this. This isn't, this isn't quite the danger I always thought it was. Very interesting that you, you came up with that from your dream as well. I got moving past fears and limitations of ancestors and moving at high speed and unprotected because I didn't have a helmet on in this dream. Mm. Did you actually ride the motorcycle in your dream or was it just there? No, it's actually just there and no one rides it. It's lying no one rides on its it. side and okay. sort of everyone's looking at it. 
Yeah. Interesting. So nobody, nobody rides it. It's lying on its side. Mm -hmm. So a, a motorcycle laying on its side that no one rides versus one that someone rides very different. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to ride a motorcycle? I have like you been on the back of a few and not particularly, it was kind of fun and exciting, but it's nothing that really draws me. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I have never actually driven one myself either. either, but in the dream, I was like a, you know, almost like a stunt person just going in and out. And so, you know, and it may have even been something I had seen on TV or a movie, you know, mm -hmm. in the week before or whatever, filtering her into my subconscious, but it was just, uh, there was no fear there. That's so cool. Yeah. I like imagining that. <laughs> I don't know if I yeah, would do it, was, it. it was fun. Yeah. So I think there may have been an element of lucidity in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That sounds totally exhilarating. And yeah. it was. And I love that my dreaming self has skills and abilities that I don't currently possess. Um, like I have never once had to use Google in a dream. I always know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about the cats thing too, because I have a completely different relationship to cats than you do. And I'll just share it for, for contrast and reference. Cause I've had mm -hmm. cats in dreams and what they bring up for me is the fact that I'm severely allergic to them. Mm -hmm. So after all the healing work that I've been doing over the last 20 years to be as well as I can, the only time I will have an asthma attack is if I'm in a house with a cat and sometimes I'll even have asthma if I'm hanging out with someone who has a cat because of the, oh, the hair on their the clothes and their clothes. Yeah. yeah. And so cats for me are this, they, they stand for this danger that is a threat to me that doesn't threaten anybody else. So it's kind of the, I mean, not literally no one else in the world, but it's sort of this thing that I'm vulnerable to that most people aren't. And that's it, it really affects my social life. Like I won't go to people's houses who have cats and my other friends or family might get together and I'll stay outside. So that's there for me when a particularly a house cat shows up in a dream. Not so much when I've dreamt of big wild cats, but the house cats for sure. So I mean, to hear you say when, when cats show up, I think family, you know, um. for yeah. For you, it's allergies. Yeah. And, yeah. and like isolation and <laughs> being different from everyone else. And yeah. So, so See? we would probably not get the same thing. Yeah. That that, those are two definitely opposite sides of the coin. And that's the whole point of personal symbology. You see them as isolation allergies. I see them as family. Yeah. Do you feel like sharing any particular cat? dream stories or images that have ever come up? I've dreamt of big cats. Um, a lot of times I dream of my own cats sometimes. Oh, one was, you know, if one is sick or I've dreamt that they've been missing and um, it's always like, oh, you know, how could I be so irresponsible? How could I not notice, you know, that kind of thing. And that just makes me go back and check myself. Okay, well, where do I think maybe I could be more responsible or where am I? um you know missing something mm -hmm. where could I be more observant and um you know do I need to take my cat to the vet is the dream about the cat is it about me do I need to look at my health you know so it those kind of things will come up yeah yeah and do you have a way that you like to 
act on dreams, or I know you mentioned calling people who you dream about, Mm -hmm. but is that, is that a thing for you kind of taking action in the waking world to, to honor the dreams? Yes, I've reached out to people. Um, I will write my dream down. I will give it a title if I can find an image that goes with it. If it's given me a message of something that I need to do, like maybe a particular color was standing out like red, then maybe I need to infuse more red into my wardrobe or into my home. It's whatever the directive is in the dream, whatever it's inspiring me to do or inviting me to do. Um, I keep a journal. Sometimes I don't always recognize my writing when I go back and look (laughs) at it, (laughs) but giving it the date and the title and then just, you know, all the identifying care, you know, the characters, the action, the colors, the numbers, anything. I like to do a quarterly summary, Mm. go through and say, okay, what and who is showing up the most? Did I dream of, a yellow Volkswagen 20 times? Did I, you know, those kind of things, like noticing the patterns and then do a year one and okay, well, I had 26 dreams about leopards this year or, you know. Wow. Yeah. That kind of helps you to see what the dominant theme is and who shows up in your dreams the most and what. Right. And the feeling, do you feel good about your dreams? Do you not feel good about them? Mm-hmm. That's a really good idea. A quarterly and a yearly kind of review and taking stock of what's been repeating and maybe how things have changed. I'm sure there are things I would I am not realizing are repeating because I don't regularly do that. Go back and look look at a certain time period. It is interesting, even watching the patterns in dream enthusiasts. Also, if you feel, if you don't feel good about your dream, if you wake up and it's, oh God, I'm so glad that wasn't real. Another one of my quotes is, a dream is an opportunity to to course correct. So if you feel like, oh, that would be horrible if that happened. I'm so glad that that didn't happen. Well, it's kind of, sometimes can be a warning. Maybe there's something you need to change. You know, or what would that mean? Like if one of my cats was to get out, for example, I live out in the forest, like right at the edge of the forest. So I've got all kinds of, you know, predators around here and very careful to keep my cats inside. But if one of them were to get out, for example, and to get eaten by a coyote, would that be failure? Am I not a good cat cat mama because my cat got out? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. So taking stock and maybe there's some health aspect, uh, prodromal dream. Maybe there's something I need to look at. Yeah. Yeah. I'm often reading through the health lens and that that's so fascinating to me because did have you read the stories in the book, Dreams That Can Save Your Life? It has a lot of cancer stories and dream, either dream promptings to get a test or realizing the actual diagnosis through a dream. That is such an amazing book. Yeah. He, uh, I am so glad he wrote that. Cause I think a lot of people would just have a dream and dismiss it. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't even think, Oh, this could be affecting my health. And here yeah. is a doctor who wrote a book dreams that can save your life. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what makes me so curious though, is that I think there are a lot of dreams that mention cancer and are not literal you know, that are really about 
whatever else cancer might mean for us, you know, the overgrowth of something, um, something within that I don't know is happening or, you know, there's lots of ways we could take cancer metaphorically, Yes, but, but how, you know, it can be scary to have a dream that shows death, of course, or illness or mentions cancer. And then I feel like we really have to tune into our own inner knowing and look for that aha moment to know whether this means I need to go see a doctor and have this checked on or whether it's something I want to explore. Oh, like a toxic person or maybe a behavior or a limiting belief that you need to cut out of your life. Right. That kind of thing. Right. Yeah. There was one guy I had, um, this is in one of my books. There was a man that I knew and he told me that he had a tattoo, like a family tattoo, family Mm -hmm. crest. And he had a dream that the, the tattoo was fading away. Mm. And I said, well, what is it that you need to know about that dream? Maybe, you know, he said, I feel like I'm losing my family. Mm. Well, it turned out he was doing some things that he really should not have been doing. And I think the dream, I was trying to hint to him that maybe the dream's a warning. Well, things did not work out so well for him. So that dream was telling him, hey, you need to stop what you're doing or you could lose your family. And he Mm -hmm. did lose his family. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. So for anyone who's listening to this and is thinking of dreams like that, that might be warnings. Um, do you have any guidance or good questions to ask about, you know, if they really want to be open to the messages, but also not overly alarmed because sometimes dreams are dramatic or violent or deadly. Um, yeah, I don't know any intuitive things you might say about how to um, listen to those dreams. Well, one of the prompts in my guided dream journal is, do you feel disappointed that the, that it was just a dream or do you feel relieved? Because if you're feeling disappointed, uh, I would, you know, I wish that was real. Well, then maybe there's something you need to change to make your life better. But if you wake up feeling relieved, oh, you know, thank God that that's just a dream. Well, then what would it mean if that, uh, okay, say you dreamt that you got arrested for drunk driving or something, you know, like, what would that mean in waking life? Like, what would that mean to you? What do you need to change to ensure that Mm -hmm. doesn't come to fruition? So just either way, feeling disappointed or relieved ask yourself if that if this were real what would it mean and what do I need to do to improve my life or safeguard my life yeah I like asking that what would it mean because it sort of takes the literal like you said about um it was about your cats you said would that mean I was neglecting somehow or a failure a failure Yeah. yeah and so to take that that word failure and let it kind of expand from just the the way the dream showed it of a missing cat to what else does that mean? And am I feeling that coming up in some way? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the, the, the life-threatening illness dream might be, well, what does that mean? Well, that means I don't know how much time I have left. Okay. Well, let's go with that thought. What is not knowing how much time I have left? 
bring up for me. Exactly. And it is your dream. And the message is always for you and you will find your own answer. And it's great to share in a group because you can get different perspectives, things that you may not have seen before. And sharing with the group invites you to go deeper. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I cannot say enough how much I love working dreams in groups, because no matter how intuitive or wise the person, the one person you're talking to is, there's always more perspectives. Always more. Shed light on your dream. All right. I have one more question I want to ask you about from um, one of your books. You talk about dreams of sex, love, and romance, and you go into this theme of dreams that might indicate, you know, whether a relationship is on the right track and a healthy, good relationship versus, you know, a warning maybe about someone that things aren't going so well with or isn't worthy of your trust. And I feel like this comes up a lot for people, dreams of new partners and dreams of ex-partners and dreams of, you know, current partners, long-term relationships as well. And I just wanted to invite you to talk about how you see those kind of dreams, different flavors of dreams about, especially a, a newer partner and a relationship that someone might be wondering about. Yes. And I did cite some very specific examples, like the guy that I was seeing when I dreamt that I uh, was at a picnic table and I was standing there holding a plate and he never turned around and talked to me and he never invited me to sit down. And I took that to mean that there wasn't room for me in his life because there was no more room at the table. Uh huh. And, you know, I'm standing there, not acknowledged, not invited to sit down. And yet he's got a bunch of friends and family at the table, but there's no space for me. And that was pretty early on in the relationship. So, but again, could that be projection of fears from other failed relationships? Possibly. It's always good to step back and say, okay, how do I feel about this dream? And is that how I feel in waking life? And then notice over the coming weeks and months, you know, does this dream come up again? Are you seeing things in your waking life that match that? Is -hmm. this just fear running rampant i mean there's also there's positive examples you could see um you know something good that feels right you could like i the man that i married was sitting in a meadow with my dog that i had at the time Mm -hmm. and that looked very positive and healthy and the grass was green and you know that's a very positive image yeah yeah And the dream you shared, I think there's a woman who's dating someone who has a little daughter and they, they play happily. And there's kind of this sense of connecting with the inner child energy and Mm -hmm. not worrying about getting too muddy. I remember that that was from the column. Yes. And so that's a positive. So it's important to notice and always over a period of time, you know, are my dreams following a pattern? Are they, you know, and, and how they're matching with um, your waking life? Yeah. All right. Well, wonderful. Thank you for all those examples. Is there any, anything you'd like to share with listeners before we wrap up any final thoughts or suggestions? Well, you are an amazing host, and I would suggest that people definitely pay you some attention. 
Oh, thank you. Got it going on, girl. (laughs) Also, just um, it's good to share your dreams with others. You can definitely grow as an individual that way. Um, Dream dictionaries are nice food for thought if you're stuck on something, but always, always trust your own self for and your for your personal meaning of a dream because the dream belongs to you. Excellent advice. (laughs) Thank you so much. And if anyone wants to find you online, where can they look? Well, Dream Enthusiasts on Facebook would be one. And I also do have a website in your dreamsbooks.com. They're both plural dreams and books. Great. I'll link, I'll link to in your dreams books and to the Dream Enthusiasts group in our show notes. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Thank You're you. a wonderful really host. Fun. Thanks so much. Thanks for everything you shared. Thanks for listening. Come over to the show notes at thedreamersden.org slash 29. That's thedreamersden.org slash 29 to find those links and leave a comment. Let us know what you thought about this conversation and what you thought about some of the questions we brought up. Come back on the new moon. I'm excited about the next few episodes I have to share with you. I've got conversations coming up with Ariella Daly also known as Beekeeping in Skirts, who is a dream worker and a beekeeper. And she explores what's known as bee shamanism, dreaming with the bees. And with Joshua Black, who specializes in grief dreams, and you may know his podcast as well. And we've got a recorded dream group that I'm going to share as a podcast episode. So I will be back again on the new moon and look forward to sharing all of that with you. Until then, wishing you deep dreams.